welcome to episode 325 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is the actor, Joseph Milson. You may know him for his roles in Angel Has Fallen, Casino Royale, I Give It a Year, The Dead Two, and we focus today on his brand new film, Warblade. Joseph is one of those people that I absolutely love the moment we started talking. Uh, just before I hit the record button, we're smiling away, talking about whatever's happened that day, but it felt really natural, not forced, and like I'd known him a long time. And those are the interviews that I really enjoy on Mark and Me. The problem is you only get so long during a press tour, so you literally get maybe 20 minutes, half an hour with the guest. And in an ideal world, I think it's only really 45 minutes that you really get to know someone, start earning the trust, starting to see the guest really open up. But Joseph, even from the first minute, seems so sincere, so honest and just a lovely guy. And I made sure that on the interview we talked about the possibility of getting together again and talking more because he's someone that I really admire, someone that I really respect and I can't wait to see where his career goes as a director also. He really is lovely and I really hope you enjoy today's interview. But before we get there, let's quickly touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 324, which was only a few days ago, I was joined by the British director Andy Edwards. We focused on his brand new film Punch and I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that listened, to Andy himself for sharing the episode and just an amazing response all round. I have so much respect and admiration for British film directors, especially people that are really making the name for themselves and doing it off their own back. And Andy's a prime example of this. So thank you so much again to everyone that took the time to listen. But today's interview, it's all about Joseph. And I absolutely love this interview. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to it. So here's me and Joseph Milson talking all things acting. So, Joseph, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Absolute pleasure. Joseph, what I do with all guests that come on is take it right back to the very start. And I'm always intrigued about how you basically got into the work and the Mm -hmm. industry and take it right back to the very early days. So when you were a kid, can you remember those first maybe TV shows or films that you watched that made you fall in love with the idea of being an actor? It was very late on for me. Um... I wasn't, I really was a country bumpkin. I lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, it's hard for my children who are like 21 and 19 to really get their heads around, <laughs> you know, four TV channels and nothing else. and No internet. Uh, no. And I, I honestly, no. And I, I did, there was no, my dad had been in a rock band when he was young, but he, you know, he was, he ran a pub and he was an odd job man really. And, uh, there was there was no really a concept of this. I wasn't even sure that I didn't realize where the people in the things I watched came from. And I remember I do. I haven't thought about this for a long time, but BBC Two used to show interesting films late at night. And I was a teenage insomniac which actually was very, I mean, real insomniac. When I was 13, that was the year, no big trauma or stress, but I just could not sleep that year. And I read a lot 
want to hear something i know i'm i'm a kid who was expelled from school i didn't finish school i wasn't a great student but off my own back i read almost all of dickens i, I just read any books around my mum loved agatha christie so i read all of them i just read books but weirdly sometimes if i really couldn't sleep at about midnight one o'clock i'd go down to the front room and stick the telly on and sometimes the only thing on was a weird film on BBC Two. And I remember this film. So I, I'd often miss the start. And one night, I'd obviously missed the start. And there's no commercial breaks. And this thing, I thought it was a, what well, I didn't know the word documentary. But, but I was 13. And this thing about this, these two men was so riveting. <laughs> that I watched this thing and fell in love with this thing. And at the end, there were these credits. And I went, oh, were they pretending? And it transpires that was Midnight Cowboy. Wow. And I was 13 and just, I was so moved, particularly by John Voight. I know Dustin Hoffman gets all the kind of praise for that film. And He's you know a what? silent hero. Yeah, John Voight's performance, one scene in particular, where, uh, you know, uh, Ratso or whatever he's called is making trying to make breakfast for him in his horrible little place he lives and it was actually John Voight's face just it wasn't even pity it was south of pity but watching this ratty man cooking breakfast in this disgusting place <laughs> I went I don't know what's happening here but I want I want to be part of that so it was quite a pivotal thing I then it didn't cross my mind again till I was about 18 but do you know what's mad I've managed to shake hands and say thank you to Dustin Hoffman and John Voight. That's a hell of a claim. Uh, in totally separate scenarios, I've managed to be in a room with them and without being a dickhead, managed to find a moment. Compose yourself to, and not be yeah, a fanboy. It went yeah. particularly well with John Voight. I think Dustin Hoffman thought I might have been about to attack him because that yeah. was on the street where I literally saw him like walking. Security, get this guy away <laughs> yeah. from me. He's shaking my hand well, too much. I had a lovely long chat with. Yeah, that's all stats. Not many people yeah, can so say they've... Uh, both. And I've said, look, factors. it's a long story, this, because I then, it didn't cross my mind until I was 18. I didn't know it was a thing you could do for a living. And I worked at a theatre from, like, teenage to older, to parking cars, cleaning toilets. It never crossed my mind to see the performances. It was just a place I could work. And then I got adopted by some actors, almost literally, and then they saw something in me and drove me to London, pushed me through the door of a drama school. And went to... Now, someone's about to deliver something, and my two little dogs are about to make a noise that will sound like... Most of my podcasts one. have dogs bark, and I've got two here dogs Here it goes, myself. ready? Yeah, here Look we go. Look at that. That's on cue. <laughs> Sorry about do you know, that. I never edit the dogs out because mine no. do the same and I think they like their little cameos on the podcast, so why not allow it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a visual medium. Otherwise, I'd show you these cute little rats. But uh, yeah. So you got pushed for this door. You performed. They saw something in you that you might have not seen yourself. No, they didn't even see me perform. They literally got to know me as a stagehand. Right. I was like a carpenter at the Watermill Theatre in Newbury, a trainee set builder just because it was a job it was something to do and they saw something in me and and i had done performing arts but only as a way to meet girls really at that point nice um and then yeah i basically long story short i fell in love with acting at a leading drama school whereas most people fall in love with acting fight their way to get there i just auditioned and they i i had no stress i went in and went all right 
Oh, you've got to do some Shakespeare, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. And obviously, there's no deodorant for desperation. So I must have been, with hindsight, that's really interesting. Someone coming in who looks like they don't give a shit and is a total country bumpkin. And there's something about them. Whereas people who are desperate to be at the drama school must make you sit back and go, oh, no, thanks. Um, so I got in sort of everywhere I went, had no idea how hard it usually was for people. And then at drama school went, oh, yeah, actually, this is the thing for me. So that's my story. What a unique story. Like I've done over 300 episodes and no one's kind of just been not in a disrespectful way, but kind of half hearted. Like, you're right. Yeah, I'm just yeah, here. Like, I got there. Gotta find I out really, a bit more. I liked it. I liked it. But only at a drama school did I decide, did I realize I loved it? Yeah. And, and did you uh, did you have the backing from your family? Because obviously it's oh, a yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. They they were great. They're very um, kind of left wing, arty farty, hippie types. My mum and dad. My dad's been dead a long time now. God bless him. But they were both totally supportive. They just couldn't support me financially. No, never been. But they were philosophically and emotionally very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And you've had such a, obviously in the time we've got, we can't discuss every role you've oh. ever been in, but you've been in such a variety of shorts of big performances like Macbeth, TV shows like Penny Dreadful, Law and Order, literally loads of different varieties of roles. But what if you kind of were on an episode, and this is for the older generation listening now, but like the time of your life, what's those yeah. roles that have stayed with you that you've just absolutely been blown away by and the whole experience is some of your favorite times well it's not necessarily the biggest films like i've been in a bond film i've been yeah. in the universe i've been in marvel universe it's not always them sometimes it is a bit like the film we're here to talk about warblade is the smaller thing so and sometimes theater of course and sometimes radio yep some of my most rewarding work has been performances for BBC Radio 4 that I've really been able to get into and roles you might not have got visually. So well, I'm I've sitting been... here now interviewing you and I'm thinking, yeah, God, his voice sounds good. Like, I need to up my game. <laughs> I, I'm, I've not had enough well, coffee. I've I'm like, oh. I've radio plays and uh, I love them. And it's funny, you know, so I've played lead roles at the Royal Shakespeare Company. I've played Hamlet, Benedict, you know, Macbeth at the Globe and what have you, and great theatre at the National Theatre and new plays at the Royal Court, whatever, all theatre-wise ticked every box you could ever want. Big musicals. Um, and there were some theatre things which are amazing. Um, I did a play called The Rover at the Royal Shakespeare Company, playing The Rover, which was insane, just swashbuckling, flying around the rope, sword fighting nonsense. Just, you know, I was Brian Blessed, age 25. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and But then radio... Sometimes, and, and I did a horror film called The Dead 2, obviously the sequel to a great zombie film, The Dead. And mine was in India. That was six weeks in India, and I was in every frame of that film, and that was that was extraordinary. Um, and, yeah, radio, I played George Orwell for a long, year-long season of George Orwell celebration on Radio 4, so I did about six plays playing him, and I read almost every book of his for them, and got absorbed in that. And I did a nine hour foresight saga for Radio 4, which I know this, some people might have never listened to radio drama. It's amazing because your imagination paints the picture. You get immersed in it, don't you? You oh, can get fantastic. completely lost in it if you get the right yeah. ones that are done right with the right production. Oh, amazing. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's, so I've been so lucky. I am as my old, an ex-agent of mine used to call me the busiest unknown actor in the world. 
you know that, that um, should be on your IMDb though, little slogan or tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, still not rich, but um, <laughs> but I have been blessed with being incredibly busy, and I've done a lot of every corner of this thing. You know, I mean, you, you just mentioned then, obviously, Warblade, which you are promoting at the moment. Um, how did this role come about for you? Because obviously it's a bit different. It's not TV, it's film. There's a budget, yeah. there's a big production. You're talking obviously about war. It's just, it's a big subject and it's a big yeah. part for you. So was it an audition for your... Uh, uh, actually not. Or? No, I, I, I sort of, I understand now I'm moving as well. We won't have time to talk about possibly, but I'm moving into directing my own films a bit more. I'm certainly writing a lot. And um, I understand where I sit very realistically in the film market there i i have been in massive films with real parts but i'm not a movie star in that territory in the big big thing but when you move down into the slightly lower budget i can help sell a film in a certain bracket of film so yeah. because you know they need to put brackets after something you know thingy thingy from thingy thingy and i have done nearly 30 feature films now um, small parts to big, and I've starred in seven or eight, and I've had my name above title now on about three or four uni Universal. I seem to have got onto the radar for Universal Pictures, so I've been name above title on three or four films for them: a Dragonheart film, a big Christmas movie, you know, blah blah blah. Not huge films, but the kind of what we used to call straight to video, straight to DVD. Yeah, now straight to streaming, whatever. And actually, Warblade was a straight offer. Um, and uh, I hadn't worked with any of the team before. I knew one of the producers to say hello to. And I really like Lu Lucinda um, Thakra. Um, she's fantastic from Picture Perfect movies. But we'd never actually worked together. So it was, it was a gamble for her and the director, Nick Winter. Nick Winter was suggested me by the producer. And he said, oh, I know, Joe. Yeah, I know Joseph's work. Um, yes, he's a good choice. And I thought, oh, great. What's he seen me in? Casino Royale, something really classy. No, no, no. He loved me in an episode of Midsummer Murders. It just shows any role you do can be seen by the you right people. Know, yeah, he's, yeah, where I was the baddie of the week, you know. Um, <laughs> and he saw something in that and he just went, yeah, I did. So I didn't have to audition for this. And it was a joy, Warblade. Three weeks of real people who want to be on set sometimes when you climb up and up the tree the higher up the tree you go the more monkeys pull on your head i think and um with lower budget and it's not no budget it's a real film but we're not talking millions of course uh and no one is there looking at their watch saying when's lunch when you're on a, a thing like no that. everyone's there because they want to be there otherwise then why bother no one's getting rich we're there because we want to be there and there is something really worthwhile, especially we shot this summer of 22. So we our emotional, psychological bodies were still coming out of all the COVID nonsense. Yeah. So we were all incredibly grateful to be, if I may use the phrase, titting about on a film for three weeks. So that pleasure of making it and that gratitude, I swear, comes across the screen. Um. And I think it makes it a more enjoyable film because it, it was an enjoyable shoot, you know? 
it, it feels like I'm just scratching the surface with you today, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Um, Let's do it. We'll have to do another one. Yeah, I'm, I, I know obviously today we're promoting this film, and yeah. it's really lovely to talk to you, but I'd love to do a follow-up where I can talk yeah, to you sure. more about your um, ideas and your introduction to directing as well, yeah, because yeah, obviously yeah, having a vision that. from behind the camera, from being yeah. in front of the camera, is a huge step and yeah, um, 30 years now it's like it's an yeah and we are we 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 turn over on my first feature film february 20th so so maybe I mean, after that's done let's yeah. let's sit down and see how that's gone for you but um one question i do ask everybody that comes on the podcast and if you'd listened to a previous episode you'll know this is coming but um every guest and it doesn't matter if you're anthony hopkins or yeah uh, the next big thing uh i ask the guest to choose a song that's played at the end of the episode so Okay. Make it as personal as I can. Um, each and every episode, all three hundred, the guest has chosen a different piece of music. Yeah. So, is there a song? And I am putting you on the spot today, Joseph. Yeah. But a song that you love, or a band that you love, that you'd love yeah. to be played at the end of today's interview? Definitely. Let's go for that's entertainment by the Jam. Wow, that's a hell of a tune. Yeah, and it feels like now it's funny, you know, because my my wife Sarah Jane Potts, well-known actress and lovely lady is proper tough working class northern right she's the real deal where she grew up and it took a long time to convince her that i was working class i said not now i'm clearly middle class now my current life no question but my origins are working class and it was quite hard for her to work out that a that southern people could be working class and then that there was a version of working class that wasn't urban what countries I said, look, there were panes of glass missing in my house the entire time I lived there with cardboard. And we lived on one stew dish that went on all week. We had no money. And so the jam growing up, Paul Weller's voice and lyrics of the jam always felt like he was talking about me, even though he was talking about council estates. And I didn't live on a council estate, but I lived on a shitty place in the middle of nowhere with a lot of fun and trees around. But boredom was a real thing. And I think boredom is very productive. And my children's generation don't really explore boredom because the, the phone's in there. There's too much, isn't there? It's a distraction yeah. now. You, There's you something don't get about this anything. song. And if you're only allowed to play an excerpt, I, no, I, I'll play I the mean, whole track. Oh, amazing. Well, the lyrics, this song just celebrate the kind of glory of, and it feels like my childhood in a bottle, this song. And I am blessed with having had a happy childhood, but there was a lot of boredom. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really good point to take away from that. Even though the song choice wouldn't instantly make me think of boredom, the fact that no one's bored anymore because there's 10,000 TV channels, no. there's Netflix, no. there's no having to go down to the video shop and waiting to choose for video. There's no, no waiting to queue up and buy an album and listening to it. It's no. it's all at the fingertips. And I'm going to sound like an old man. I'm only 41, but I miss the days of, oh, what should I do? What should I do to I know. be a bit more creative today? What should I write? What should I, where should I go that's a new adventure? Everything is there for you. I agree. And I think what's, you can feel, we could talk for hours clearly, but you can feel how people do still yearn for it because everyone wants to have a go at meditation. Yeah. What meditation is, is, is enforced boredom. It's kind of pushing, it's kind yeah, of pushing what, the uh, pause it button, isn't it? Out kids of the kind of whatever generation we are and, and south of it um effectively we meditated we stared yeah. into the into the into the middle distance a lot and so actually boredom is meditation and it's a healthy thing 
and, and people and people now pay for it people pay for boredom so people will now go on a boredom retreat <laughs> yeah. how i look at it in a big tent in the middle of a field yeah. like this is paying it's, for boredom it's tricky you sit cross-legged and you struggle you know but actually when you give into it something golden always pops out of nothing you know this is all gold and i i wish we had go. a couple of hours but um let's, let's make sure we um deb will sort us out to talk again and if not of course I'm, I'm easy to find yeah we we can do this as an introduction and tease all the listeners and then they can come back for more very soon brilliant brilliant so there it is there's my interview with me and joseph milson and as i said at the start of today's interview he's someone that i'm going to make sure comes back on the podcast within the next 12 months we only had 20 minutes, we covered a lot, but I know there's a couple of hours that we could sit down, hopefully face-to-face in the near future, and talk a lot more in great detail about his acting, about his directing, and so much more. It was an absolute honour to have him on, and I can't wait to see what we do next time we're together. And as you heard, we talked about his brand new film, Warblade, which is on digital now via 101 Films. So after today's interview, go and check it out, And as always, let me know what you think on any of my socials. I read and respond to every message I get and every post I see. And I really hope you enjoy the film and especially his performance. Also, if you were listening today to Mark and me and you want to support me, there's a couple of ways you can do this. These podcasts will always remain free. I'm never going to sit here and start charging for a podcast because that's the world we live in. All these podcasts out there by all these amazing people are always going to be free. And that's something I'm going to stick to forever. But what I do ask is you to share it. I say it on each and every episode because it's crucial to the growth of Mark and me. So if you're sat there today and you're listening and you're thinking, yep, I can do that. Why not just go on your Facebook and when you see the post about this new episode, hit that share button. If you're on Twitter, there's a retweet button. And if you're on Instagram, you can share it as part of your story. If you don't want to do that, then just hit the little heart button because that helps this algorithm, gets more people to see it and hopefully build a whole new audience for Mark and me. If you do want to go that little bit further and help me because I am an independent one-man team, I do have a Patreon account. This basically is like giving me a tip if you're going to the restaurant All it is, is each and every month you can subscribe for as little as £1 a month. There's different tiers with different benefits. But for that, you get an exclusive episode which is only available for people that support me via Patreon. And that's called The Lost Tapes. On top of that, you also get an exclusive welcome pack. And that pack includes a badge, stickers, you get a monthly newsletter and so much more. And I make sure that I really look after my Patreons to say thank you for supporting me. Before I go, I do like to give a big shout out on each and every episode to the sponsor of Mark and Me, Richer Sounds. These guys are the best out there if you're looking for a new TV, a home cinema surround sound system, a Sonos, a record deck, or just some amazing headphones. Go on richersounds.com or visit one of your local stores, and honestly, those guys are the best out there. And thank you again to those guys for supporting Mark and Me. It's been really manic lately, and I've got about 15 episodes to edit for you guys at home. There's such a range of guests to show, and I'm not going to lie, I'm falling behind, so I want to be getting episodes out every few days to kind of play catch up. But also, I'm really pushing a lot of focus this year on my YouTube channel. I really love seeing the videos and seeing the response and it does get a lot of comments and a lot of views. So watch out because this week I'll be launching a brand new video on there and a whole new project which I haven't shared yet which is exclusive to YouTube and I can't wait to share it and it will be coming in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned for that. 
So I'll be back with a brand new episode in literally a couple of days time. So until then, please keep yourself safe, look after each other, take care, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Say